Ocean Cast, the weekly sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hello. Okay, so today we are reviewing Scorching Ping Pong Girls, the sports series that... Well, okay, so starting off the show, I wasn't expecting much, and... As it went on, I was actually getting a little bit more into it. I, I don't know. You were kind of in the same boat, I think? Yeah. Um, based on the character designs, I had very low expectations for this show uh, because they were very cutesy, sort of drawing on the moe aesthetic. I thought it was going to be pretty much an inch deep in content and mostly making the cute girls do cute things. Right. Which isn't that interesting to me it's not a genre i look to and just sort of using the sports as an excuse to make them do cute stuff right um i was pleasantly surprised though with the first you know episode when it came out it was very much not that way it was it wasn't focused on the girls being cutesy it was focused on the girls being athletes and competing with one another yeah it there was a bit more of a serious sports story underneath there and it seemed like it was kind of it felt like it was almost apologizing for the aesthetic at first. Yeah, yeah, it was um, operating in defiance of the character design. Right. And as it went along, it's, yeah. we'll get into that later, though. So I'm just, just for anybody who hasn't watched it or anybody who may be interested, the series starts off following a character by the name of Agari. She is the ace of her local, of her high school or junior high's uh, ping pong team. Or she's the ace, essentially. And kind of the acting captain at the time. And one day as she's coming, or she's walking to school, she stumbles upon this strange girl who is sitting on top of a gate by the name of Koyori. Uh, she kind of helps her down because she tried sneaking over the gate. It's comical hijinks, whatever. And what she discovers is uh, she takes Koyori with her to her ping pong club. And from there, Koyori proceeds to beat uh, several members in different matches. We discover that even though Agari was like a... Uh, she placed in like a like a district championship. Uh, she discovers that Koyori ranked in like a prefectural one. She And there was kind of this looming threat of Koyori uh, taking over Agari's place in the club... Eventually, they have their game, they resolve their differences, and then from there, it just follows the adventures of the sports club. Right, exactly. So, they go through matches and training sequences, and that's pretty much as far as it ends up. You know, the team keeps training and working together to go go to nationals together. Right. That's pretty much the arc. Um, so, like we alluded to early on... Um, the first episode really defied our expectations in terms of how it was presenting using cutesy character designs but presenting a serious sports story um and that held true for the the first arc yes uh the first three episodes are actually pretty solid overall the show seems to show some form of understanding of how the sport is played uh there's a lot of character drama between Agari slowly uh, detaching herself more from Koyori. She kind of likes Koyori at first. And then uh, as she realizes that Koyori is kind of threatening her position, you know, the fact that she loves to be the ace. Right. Uh, you know, she loves the attention she gets. and But she also comes to realize through her game with Koyori that 
the two that she does love the sport of ping pong as well and that she kind of lost sight of that in this sort of desire and love for attention mm-hmm. uh, the problem is from there it just becomes very they like to try and pair up the main girls together in not any form of meaningful way well yeah it, it, it goes awry when the team captain returns so yeah. there's, there's this, this episode where they've resolved the differences between Koyori and Agari they've decided they're going to be rivals and both compete to see who's going to be the ace uh, and that's when the, the team captain Kirika comes back Right. and the series never really recovers after that you know um, because what's introduced with Kirika is a lot of well, she spends the episode putting bunny ears, or cat yeah. ears, excuse me, cat ears on all the characters and making them go nya. Um, and she also spends the episode lying down on uh, the character Mune Mune's breasts right. and, and treating, calling them a breast pillow at every opportunity. And we were hoping at the time that this episode was the exception. <laughs> but no, it turned out that the seriousness of the first three episodes was the exception. Right. And the cutesy, um, k- kind of gross hijinks. Yeah. The, those hijinks became the norm. Right. It became the standard, essentially. It's still mixed in an okay episode here and then. Like, if I recall... Uh, so Kirika has this whole game that she she wants somebody to score a point of her within like five or so many points, and if I recall, her and Ko, uh, Koyori and Agari have an okay game. I seem to recall that episode being all right, and then there's another episode later on dealing with a rival that we'll talk about a little bit later that turned out to not be too bad, but yeah, for the most part, there's a lot of really awkward. Uh, what, baiting of, like, the otaku fan base. And, you know, I really should have seen it coming, considering the fact that, you know, Mune Mune's mean literally means breasts in Japanese. Yeah, that's that's what her name translates to. Too. That, yeah. Like, that is literally her name. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. It, it's, it's more awkward than in something like Keijo, where it's... You know, at the very least, the girls are of age. Yeah, and in Keijo, they're upfront about it. Right. This way, in, in, it, not only is it 13-year-olds. Right. right. Which is Something gr- like that. I is... think Mune Mune and Kirika might be 15-ish. Okay, they're either seen... way, right. not okay. Yeah, not um, not cool. Um, But, so, they're young teens, but treating them in a very sexualized way. Right. And also, but also having really cutesy character design. So it's a mix between over-sexualizing them and also making them seem very childish. Right. But also at the same time wanting to have this competitive sports drama feel to it. Right. So it means that the way the characters are depicted is completely inconsistent from scene to scene. Right. Uh, and the show can't quite up, quite make up its mind how it wants to treat them. Right. Uh, And honestly, a lot of that comes down to... Unfortunately, a lot of the characters just don't have a lot of personality to them. 
uh, as a result, I feel like. Because what it comes down to is that each character is reduced to a single trait about them, and the series tries to drag jokes out. Yeah, you want to give some examples? Uh, for example, uh, the most notorious one, and this maybe should have been a warning side for us as well, is the fact that the character Hokuto likes to refer to the girls by the type of panties they wear. Yeah. And not only that, she can tell that based on the type of rubber they use for their paddle. Yeah. And and they keep hair... It's like a one-off gag, okay, fine, whatever. It's not funny, but I'll accept it. They keep making the joke. Well, it's literally the only way that the character Hokuto refers to any of the characters is by the color and style of their underwear. Right. Which, um, I don't know who along the way thought that this was really going to pull people in. Right. Compelling stuff, but it was unfortunate every time. (laughs) Literally every time. Uh, There's another thing about uh, Hanabi, uh, this whole thing she has with grab... Like, if there's, like, a weird, like, hair style that they have, she loves to play... She loves to, like, grab it and play with it. And I think part of the problem is, well... They don't really do anything different with these gags. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have a recurring gag and you know, do something new with it every time. That's the purpose of a, of a recurring gag. This is just, they keep doing the same joke over and over again. Um, I don't know. I, it's a shame, too, because the series kind of starts off kind of understanding how the sport is played. Like, it at least gives me the impression that it cares and wants to depict an actual sport. Yeah. Um, this was, like, for a second there, I thought, it's like, okay, uh, this is gonna be kind of uh, the opposite of Ping Pong, the animation, where, you know, there's this great character story there. The Ping Pong is kind of... Secondary. Like, is secondary to the actual character growth, or the actual, like, story and narrative that's being told there. Which is fine. I am totally okay with that piece. Ping Pong the Animation is a phenomenal series. But I thought, it's like, okay, so this is actually going to end up being the series where, you know, if you want to get a bit more of a technical view of the sport, you know, this is actually going to, like, it shows... Right. And that, and that falls apart in Scorching Ping Pong Girls because... Well, one, it seems like they busted their animation budget on the first three episodes. So by the time you get into later episodes, they can't even afford to animate the ping pong matches that are central to all the episodes. So what they start doing is they will just treat each match as a montage. uh, And they will have ping pong sound effects played over still shots of people reacting to the match as it goes on. So you don't even know what's happening, why it's happening. You just cut ahead to people winning and losing games without any understanding of why or what their techniques are or what makes one person better than someone else. I, occasionally they will have one line about what it is that they're doing a little bit differently, but there's no real explanation as to like why this is such a good thing. There's no real like drama in any of these uh, these later games. Basically, uh, about towards the end of the series and the kind of the series finale or the series climax, they have this game against uh, uh, Mozuyama Junior High. It, it, see, the weird thing is that it's supposed to be like a practice match, but they treat it as if though it's supposed to be this big match with stakes in it. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to use a practice match as being the climax of the series. And it's like, there's nothing really at stake here. 
beyond just, we have to win. And, uh, but when, and one of the big problems with that as well is that it pretty much shows that, yeah, the series doesn't really care about any other character but Koyori and Agari. Uh, because I remember, because Hokuto's game and Tank, or, uh, Hanabi's game are basically just blown through. There's no real, it's like they describe how they're losing, but, eh, it's not really important. Uh, and then, uh, Mune Mune and Kirika's doubles match... It basically comes to a realization that we already had about them as to why why they end up winning. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really give us any extra insight into their characters. Really, this entire series is about Ogari and Koyori. Yeah, I mean, if it's actually about them, because they develop a lot in the first three episodes. But if you look at their development after that, it pales in comparison. Right. Um, so while they're the central characters, most of what you get from the two of them is that they both really like each other, and they really want to make each other's hearts go doki-doki, uh, <laughs> which is this recurring thing that, so the, the, the central premise of Koyori's playstyle is that she gets the other person excited about playing ping pong. Right. Which, okay, whatever. Um, but that becomes becomes the central concept. So there's no strategy to what Koyori does. She's somehow the ace of the team, but ha- is just good at hitting it hard and having fun. You know, so it, it clearly becomes very disinterested in anything about ping pong, and then just becomes about these characters. Right, and you know, it's one of those things that works well in a short story format, or within those first three episodes, because it's not really, because the the core of the story there is really about Agari and her own insecurities, Yeah. but the problem is that that's not enough to really sustain a main character, especially when you seem, it seems unable to decide whether or not it wants to have a tell like a sports story or whether or not it wants to be just cute girls having fun yeah (sighs) briefly i just want to touch upon uh the characters of zakuro and kururi which are the main girls over at mozuyama okay and i do appreciate their that's the one other part of the series i kind of like which is uh how these two serve as uh, they're a bit of a foil to Koyori and Agari because they they actually have a bit more of a uh, of an interesting story behind them. They they seem more of like how Agari and Koyori should have been developed a little bit more with the fact that okay, a lot of Kururi's issues stem from the fact that she she has a lot of insecurity about trying to keep people. You know, keep the people around her because she has this great passion for the sport and nobody else is able to keep up with her. Zakuro kind of uh, is able to to keep up with that. She uh, she wants to keep practicing with Karuri and Karuri feels so appreciative that she's afraid now that if she loses, she's going to lose that trust in Zakuro. And I think that was supposed to be, that was supposed to, like, highlight how Koyori acts with uh, Agari kind of in reverse because uh, uh, Koyori is very dependent on Agari because we see a lot of times throughout the series that she's so shy and just wants to and she always has to hide behind a, of a behind Agari and how she uh, how Agari kind of has to speak up for the two of them and it's supposed to sort of show how 
what can happen to this relationship between these two characters if Koyori's unable to sort of attach herself uh, from Agari. And it also kind of shows how once... It also does show that it's also kind of healthy in a way, too, because it's because of this relationship that uh, Kururi, you know, how much she values this friendship she shares with Sakuro, that she's able to keep trying to uh, evolve her play style. This is not something that she's able to do without the motivation, and it's something that Koyori kind of needs to learn. Yeah, so the, the thing with that contrast is that you come out of the, the Moziyama arc, such as it is... Right. <laughs> uh, ...with... Zakuro and Kururi feel more developed and more justified yeah. as characters than Koyori and Agari. So you got some development from Agari in the first three episodes about her background, um, how she was raised, where she came from. You're like, okay, you know, you've got some level of comfort. You still really have no idea where Koyori came from, where she learned ping pong, yep. her relationship with anyone other than Agari. Yep. You don't know who this person is or what motivates her at all you've gone through 12 episodes and you don't know almost anything about the main character yep uh so it's weird to me how much more familiar you are with side characters than with the main and we know more about hokuto and her parents ping pong store (laughs) than we do about the main character koyori yep that is that's true i hadn't quite thought about it like that but yeah i mean Koyori is basically there to... She's written to be this kind of weird outsider character. This sort of character who comes in... uh, She's kind of... I'm trying to think of a good way to describe this. She kind of... She brings out the best in everything. Right. She's kind of supposed to be almost this weird... Not like mythic type character, but she's kind of this person that nobody... The best way I can put it is she's the wise idiot. It's a common trope in a lot of Eastern uh, literature where you have this character, this this sort of outsider who doesn't really know how things are done, uh-huh. but comes in and sort of, but, you know, they know what's really right based on common sense. She's kind of supposed to be that type of character, that sort of weird character. But again, you, like you said, we don't really have any sort of background for it again works quite well in the first three episodes you need to do more from there though yeah exactly if Uh, you're gonna have this be a recurring uh character or if you're gonna have this be a long-running story you can't keep operating with you can't make characters that are meant to be a parallel to her without actually having something to parallel yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um because and like like I said with Agari, she we develop her early, but then by the end of this this run of twelve episodes, her original establishment and the, her character arc has been undermined. Yeah, because they and in the eleventh episode out of twelve, they introduce this past character named Kumami, who Agari has some vague relationship with that sort of undermines her whole personality. Yep. It says that this whole time, Agari's really been hung up on the fact that Kumami left her behind and transferred schools and didn't play ping pong with her anymore, and this is really eating Agari up inside. But this character had never been introduced. We thought we had an understanding of why Agari acted the way she did because 
of the way she was raised in the first episode, but now it calls all that into question. So even the one character who was justified somewhat gets undermined because the show can't make up its mind about who these people are or what they are supposed to represent. Yeah, uh... One thing I will say is that there's, I, again, there's something I do kind of appreciate about, the series doesn't do an awful job putting some of these characters together in a way. Like, I actually don't, as much as their characters bother me, I don't mind the background between Hokuto and Tenka, Mm -hmm. for example. I thought it was... Kind of nice to see that, you know, you have this kind of weird, distant girl who has this very kind of almost hyper-aggressive, like, hyper-bubbly personality. Just kind of take an interest in her and in her life. But, yeah, it just doesn't really do anything more with those characters beyond that story. Well, and that, that's that's the thing. So you got... The, the show insists on pairing off these girls and trying to do a lot of yuri baiting where they have such deep close relationships and you just the it's it's left for the the fanboys to imagine what that means. right um so they pair off tinka and hokuto who have this special relationship where they only talk to each other a certain way and it's all very cute and they have mune mune and kirika who they're the only ones who can understand each other and they've been together since the beginning they've got agari and koyori who their only goal is to make each other's hearts go doki doki. Um, it's just so on the nose with how <laughs> how it's trying to, and and they they do it even with the parallel. There's a lot of sort of like romantic overtones between right. Zakuro and Karuri, uh, which again, if this series was trying to say something, right. it would be interesting. But it's not. Right. It's just trying to fetishize it's trying to get the doujins get uh written essentially it wants to cleanly pair up characters that guys who with too much free time are going to want to try and draw or you know trying to practice their art whatever i don't mean to judge but you know they want to draw their doujins of these girls getting together and it justifies the merch yep it justifies uh, all the the extra spending on this series because the show isn't good enough to get renewed on its own merits. <laughs> so the only way they're going to do it is by uh, selling merch based on how these characters are interpreted and, and drawn. Um, you never know. It could increase sales of the manga. I mean, we've already seen that that's pretty much the case with other series that I won't discuss right now. Yeah, days. <laughs> um, anyway, it was... So I, I think we've been pretty clear that this was a, a disappointment overall, and although it had a lot of potential to accomplish something surprising... It really fell on its face about part way through this. Yeah. This Is there any particular scenes that kind of stick out in your head, man? Um, yeah. I mean, at its best, I would say the the first match between Agari and Koyori. Because right. it was built up for two episodes. You had right. a lot of anticipation. You had get, gotten to see Koyori play and sort of have Agari really nervous about it. Um, and so there was a lot of tension, it was executed well, and it was animated well. So for me, that's the show at its best. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that I'm going to leave it there because I want to end on a semi-positive note. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that, uh, kind of going along with that, one of the things I do remember is something I really liked about and 
was how Agari ended up trying to learn a smash from Mune Mune. Uh, because, again, that was a time when the character was used well. Uh, she, because we had seen Mune Mune established going up against Koyori, and we knew that she had a really fearsome smash. Uh, whereas Agari was trying to learn that from Mune Mune in order... Uh, so we already have Mune Mune's ability established. So it's a pretty natural progression then for Agari to go on and try and uh, kind of get some new abilities in order to deal with Koyori. Again, that's the sort of... That's the sort of setup that a good sports series does. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, pretty much that for those first three episodes. Uh, anybody you would recommend this to? Who would I recommend Scorching Ping Pong Girls to? Well, um, I think I'm going to split my recommendation. Because, okay. like we've said, we like the first three, and I'd prefer to just treat it as a separate show. That's fair. Um, so I would, I would recommend the first three episodes to anyone who wants to see proof that it is possible to make an anime centered on a girls team that is a traditional sports anime right um that can execute those themes and motifs well uh because oftentimes when you have sports anime that are centered centered on women it ends up not really being about the sport being about other stuff and not being very interested in uh a traditional sports anime theme um and so the first three episodes to me were proof that it is possible. Clear, <laughs> clearly, they fumbled in their execution yep. uh, as they went on, but they could have done it. You know, yeah. they had all the pieces there to do a traditional sports anime. Uh, they just didn't. So th this to me is is proof that it is possible. The first three episodes still hold their own. Um, so I'd recommend those. I don't. I can't think of anyone I would recommend the rest of the show to. Right. Um, I would say, again, if we're going to split this up into between two different shows, I'd say if anybody who's a big fan of sports series uh, is just has, like, an hour or two to kill one afternoon, they just want a nice short story, I'd say check out the first three episodes of Scorching Ping Pong Girls and just end it there. Because, frankly, I think it has a satisfying enough conclusion to kind of stand as its own ending. I remember even after we watched it, we were thinking, you know, that was a good ending. How are they going to keep it going? Yeah. And then after that, it's just, I think whoever was the original author, I think they can do short character stories well enough, as shown by the fact that, again, I like the story between Karuri and uh, Zakuro. I don't mind a lot of the story between Hokuto and uh, Hanabi. Uh, Kirika and Munemune, eh, I don't really need their story, but... You know, I think there's... He has some... He or she... I'm going to assume he has some talent there. But it just gets so muddled in garbage. Gosh, what, just, what a frustrating show. Yeah. So you would recommend the last nine episodes to... No one. Okay. <laughs> We're on the same page then. Uh, well, okay, Matt. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, as always. It is my pleasure. Uh, all right. Would you mind just hitting the credits? I would love to. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.